You're listening to the Entrepreneur's Agony Aunt podcast. Keeping it real, telling the story like it is, because there are no mistakes that somebody else hasn't already made. Hello, I'm Vicky Brock, and you're listening to the Entrepreneur Agony Aunt podcast. This week, I'm talking about quitting, and I'm talking to myself. Because when you have a job, have a company, have investors, have staff, there are some things you can't say out loud without major consequences. I quit is one of them. I know because I said exactly that this time last year, and nothing was ever the same again. Yet in my entrepreneur agony capacity, some of the most revealing conversations come when I turn off the microphone and my guest starts telling me what's really on their mind. Or when I meet someone for coffee to discuss something they simply can't say publicly. And quitting just keeps coming up. So I've distilled what I've been asked down to two basic questions. The first, very simple, should I quit? Should I quit doing this particular startup at this particular time? This particular market, product, project? Should I quit being an entrepreneur? Should I quit this job? Should I quit being a CEO and an active founder? Should I quit? And the second question, how do I quit? This isn't working for me anymore. I need to get off the treadmill, even if it's just for a bit. But this is me and I am it, so I don't think I can. Am I trapped? Now, for any individual currently thinking, I can't believe she's just taken our private conversation and made a podcast out of it, I haven't. It isn't just you. That's the point. When something has become unthinkable, unsayable, then we need to talk about it. So here we go. I personally think that whole never quit, never give up is the absolute worst advice ever. Seriously, unless you're fleeing from kidnappers or climbing down a mountain to save your children from certain horrible death, never quit is really unhelpful advice. It's way more complicated than that. Never quit is often the advice of somebody who regrets quitting too soon, but has never experienced the misery of quitting too late. So how do you decide if quitting is actually the right thing to do? Let's take quitting a market, quitting a product, quitting a project, quitting a startup, I mean, actually closing down the company. Because however drastic that feels, Quitting an entity is the easier of the two main quitting states you may find yourself facing. It's easier, I'm not saying it's easy, I'm saying it's easier because in the end, there is some data on which you can build your decision. The reality is most startups fail within three years. Most don't get through the first year. It happens. Most founders uh, and entrepreneurs reach a point quite early on where they need more resources to be able to scale this business. Sometimes those resources are forthcoming. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes they spend a lot of time and all of their money trying to get the business to the point that they can grow it and it never happens. And a tough, tough, tough economic decision has to be made. But sometimes it's forced on you. You know, literally, I can't keep working for nothing anymore. I have to get a job. 
that's one of those times where you ultimately might have to quit your startup for now, put it on hold, come back to it in a year if you can afford to. These things do happen and it's a really, really tough thing. Let's take quitting a market. Quitting a market might seem like a pretty straightforward decision. It might not seem very heart-wrenching. It might seem pretty straightforward. Let's step back a minute. You've gone full entrepreneurial style blazing. You've you've hung your uh, flag to this next stage of world domination. You've got PR. Your team have bought into it. You've taken on money. You've made a commitment. You go into a market and it doesn't work. Or maybe it doesn't work at the speed you need it to work. Maybe it goes horribly wrong. Either way, at some point, you're going to start to think about quitting. This is where you absolutely have to beware of sunk cost fallacy. This idea that we've put so much money into it, or we've put so much time into it, or we've put so much emotional energy into it, that if we just keep doing more of the same, it's going to get better. You have to gather in all the data around you and try to be as independent in your thinking as you can and as unemotional in your thinking as you can. Bear in mind that the people around you, your team, your board, your investors, the people that bought into the vision you were seeing are not independent advisors at this point. They are all likely to be suffering from that whole predisposition to sunk cost fallacy because they have personally made a commitment to this, whether it's time, whether it's money, whether it's energy or creativity. So you need to gather your information and very objectively, if the indicators are looking like this is just not working, then you have your evidence there in front of you. What you probably need to do to offset sunk cost fallacy is to think that of all the options now in front of us, of all the possible outcomes the data is saying, and the data could be saying terrifying outcomes. It could be saying not only are we going to run out of money, that if we keep feeding this project money at the rate it demands it, the main business is going to fail. You know, we'll, we will be out of money in four months if this project is allowed to keep sucking cash at these ways. Look through all of the extended consequences of what the data is telling you, not just for that project or for that market, but further on into their implications for the entire business. And look at the least bad thing that could happen in those options. If the least bad thing is not very good, is not anywhere near the kind of success outcomes that you wanted, stop servicing this with any further time or money. Quit. And quit as quickly, cheaply, thoroughly, and effectively as you can. Don't linger in the decision. Shut down. Cut off the cash lines that are feeding this problem. Retrench with all cash and time flowing into that switched off. Then sit down, do a post-mortem, bring everybody round the table, get the perspectives on what went wrong and learn. Of course, you might be doing this process about the entire business. But the same principles apply. If you are looking at your data and going, what is the least bad thing that can happen? And the least bad thing that can happen is, well, you know, 
we might have a really small organically growing business that does something for a few dozen customers that are happy. It's never going to get us the exit that we wanted. It's never going to get us the growth rate that we wanted. But the least bad option is that eventually we'll end up with this small, little, but profitable business. Now, do you want... This is is an open question. This is the question that makes you decide if you quit or not. Do you want to put all of your time, energy, money, and resources into the least bad option? If you go, you know what? Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy with that. Fine. Your, Your question is answered. You don't quit. If you go, even if we do all of this and the best we can achieve is the least bad option, that's that's not what I'm here for. At that moment, you may quit or you may go right back to the drawing board and have essentially an existential, why are we here? What are we here to do? How are we going to turn all of this around and pivot? And frankly, the luxury for an existential crisis or a pivot depends on how much money you've got left in the bank and what your costs are. If you've got £100,000 left in the bank, If you've got a couple of months, I honestly wouldn't quit yet. I would run through every possible iteration, every possible pivot, every possible version of an existential crisis until you run out of money. What have you got to lose, really? Um, Obviously, your, your shareholders may have a view on that. But keep working through. If you have got two weeks' money left in the bank, if you have got barely enough money to cover the cost of winding up, your question is already answered. You have no choice but to quit. And yes, at this point, be very, very aware of somebody who says, never quit, never quit. If you're trading and you cannot afford to cover your liabilities and your debt, you are trading illegally. You have to quit. You have no option. Everything that you're doing up to a point is to try to avoid that situation if that is the right thing to do. But there comes a point when you have no choice. Should you quit a market, a project, a product, an entire company is a hard choice. But ultimately, it is easier because it is, or at least it can be partially data-driven. It has a quantifiable element. So it's not all about your gut. And it's not all about emotion. And it's not all about the emotion of other people around you who may be very strong in opinion, but may be subject to their own biases. Because while I'm all for trusting gut, there are times when your stress levels are so high, your emotions so taut that cortisol is flooding your mind and decision-making can become impaired. Your decision-making can be impaired, but so can the decision-making of the people around you. It's very, very easy when you are feeling vulnerable, when you're feeling stressed, when you are aware, you are losing perspective. And you know, I think one of the most frustrating things when you are in one of these periods of intense personal pressure is that you quite often almost have an external view of yourself which recognizes that you are not functioning at your best. You can see that you're not making the best decisions. You can see that you're stressed. I know I was certainly kind of crying way more than I usually cry. My my sleep was affected. My eating was affected. Basic courtesy and ability to tolerate other people was being affected, although I was doing my very best not to show that. 
all of those create a feedback loop, which whilst that might impair your own decisions, you are aware of that. I think where I was blind, and I've seen others blind, and in some of these private conversations that people have had with me, they feel that they have been blind, is that they have downplayed their own instincts. They've downplayed their own trust in themselves, and they've placed it on others who seem more confident, seem more dispassionate, and who perhaps seem more assertive in their own belief in their rightness, when those people simply haven't had the same amount of data, evidence, exposure, and awareness of the complexity. And in these should I quit decisions when they are about you quitting at a personal level, I think you need to actually talk to fewer people People that you trust, yes, but maybe people from different parts of your life. Maybe your old friend. You know, maybe somebody that you admire from a distance who's been through this themselves, but probably not somebody inside your business. Because actually, this is as stressful for them as it is for you in different ways. And their decision making is just as likely to be flawed. So you've got all these emotions, cortisol, goodness knows what else flooding through you. And you're asking yourself, should I quit? Should I quit my job? Should I quit my role? Which is different. So what I mean by that is should I stop being CEO and go and be VP of ideas? Uh, or something equally insulting. Um, should I remove myself completely from this company or situation? So let's get into that a bit more before we look at the how do I quit? Because maybe you should, maybe you shouldn't. It depends. Perhaps you are right and you do need to step away from this role, but maybe you're just trying to run away from something that is hard, something that you don't want to face, but something that ultimately if you did face it would become fixable. I know I bang on about the hard things about hard things a lot, but I did find it really revealing when in that book, Ben Horowitz points out, A, the um, pass mark or the bar is very, very low for a CEO and founder. You're screwing up most of the time. That's just normal. You know, this is not something that you get perfect. You do not go around being a Forbes case study or an HBR case study day in, day out. Mostly you're making hard choices there's no good outcomes, there's no right answer, and your choice is to try to make the least bad decision. In that, you can sometimes come overwhelmed with what to do and what is the right thing to do. And one temptation is to run away and hide and go, you know, maybe I should be the one being taken out of that decision. That can be exacerbated by a board or an advisor who defaults unsubtly and continually back to whether you should still be in your job, that can become actually signaling to you that removing yourself is, is an option. When actually most of the time hiding under the table, hiding in the cupboard, at least for a prolonged period, it isn't a good option. Some action, any action, however rubbish it is and however bad your decision is mostly better than no decision. So let's come 
to some of the situations where you might find yourself seriously thinking about quitting your role. Quitting your role as an employee, quitting your role as a CEO, quitting your role as an active founder, giving up on being an entrepreneur, full stop. Why are you thinking about this as an option? This is the most important thing to tackle and tackle as dispassionately with yourself as you possibly can. I think one way to help be dispassionate is to, is to try to categorize the nature of your thoughts. Of course, I would say that. I'm a data geek. Draw it. Make a little matrix. I honestly did this when I was thinking about... Uh, quitting is the wrong word. I, well, yeah, I did quit, but I and I technically resigned, but I don't feel I had an awful lot of choice in that. But even as I was exploring that choice, I matrixed out my options. I honestly, I did a little flowchart. It was actually quite interesting to find it many months later and to see to myself that I did think through all the options and I did map out really quite dispassionately the pros and cons for each of my choices and it's worth doing. It's really important to ask yourself, who's driving this? Is it a little voice in your head telling you that you're useless, that you're screwing up, that you're a liability, that the company, the employees, the board, the investors, your family, your husband, everybody in your life, probably including you, would be better off if you weren't doing this. If you weren't in the company, everything would be better. More of us than care to admit have been in that position. It's a normal human stress reaction. The job of a leader, the job of a founder, the job of the entrepreneur is a very pioneering one. We are making it all up as we go along. Sometimes that's a thrill, sometimes that's a high, you know, that's what drives you out of bed in the morning, that's what motivates you to get up failure after failure after failure and do it again. You know, project failure, but business failure as well. That that pioneering spirit when it's going well is a good thing. But that um, I'm making it all up as I go along. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm screwing up. Everybody can see through me. Everybody's looking at me to lead and I have no idea what I can, what to do, what the right answer is. I can't fix this. I can't solve this. Is also a horribly isolating, exhausting, emotionally shattering experience when you're on the negative side of it. And there are very, very few people you can talk to this about. You can't talk to your employees about this. Your friends, whilst they might support you at a personal level, unless they are entrepreneurial friends, are unlikely to understand this. Your spouse, your family will just be desperately concerned for you and they will tell you to quit because they care for you and they don't want to see you suffering like this. It really is quite a small little gang of experienced founders, entrepreneurs, and people that have been through this. Seek them out if you are in this place. Uh, I seriously doubt there isn't one of them who, if they, if they can possibly make the time, will, because we've all been here. Even those of us who seem to be nailing it, you know, the poster children. I have been the poster child. You know, I've been the person winning all of the awards. And that moment when you're appearing to the world to be nailing it is quite often really overlapping with the time when you most want to quit, when you most believe 
you have no clue what you're doing and you are such a liability to your business, to your employees, that your team, that they would all be better off without you. If you're feeling this, this is almost certainly not the circumstances in which to quit. Take a break, absolutely. Go off to a mountain, a garden, the beach. Have a meltdown, you know, cry, take two weeks off sick. Do what the hell you need to do, but don't quit yet. Not until you've regained control of that inner voice that's telling you all of this stuff, because this is not a dispassionate, accurate, informed place to be making the decision. It's not to say that in the end, when you've done all these things, the right decision might not still be to quit. It might be. But you can't make that decision from that place. You have to. You have to make yourself some mind space and some physical space and take yourself out of the business and take yourself into, I would say, relative isolation. Write your pros and cons lists, but don't quit yet. And if you write a resignation letter at this point, I did. I didn't ever deliver it. Um, just don't do anything with it at this point because you're not there yet in the place to make a good decision. So another place where you might be thinking, should I quit? Or indeed, how do I quit? So you hate this. Every day for a year, you have woken up dreading work. You hate your team. You hate your board. You hate your investors. If you ever actually saw your friends or your husband, you'd hate them too, but fortunately you don't. Um, you've tried to make changes to yourself, trying to make changes to your thinking. You've done the two weeks off to your wilderness. Um, but seriously, if somebody offered you a job in an Ibiza nightclub tomorrow, you'd probably take it, even if they were taking your passport as collateral. In reality, it's rarely quite this black and white. In the midst of all this, you know, you have your highs, you have your things that make it all worthwhile, mostly. But if you're near this place, you've probably already made your mind up, even if you haven't admitted it to yourself yet or anyone else. If you have this sick feeling of dread, of unhappiness, of sheer, I hate's a strong word, but dislike disillusionment with all aspects of your company you just you know not it's not that you're not in love with it anymore it's like this awful burden that you're carrying that you just don't know how to put down you've probably made your decision here this is one of those places where you might want to talk through this with a a friend with a mentor with somebody who's been in this place but it's probably now going to be about the when and the how and how you manage this and what next rather than the if. And you shouldn't be ashamed of that. You know, you, you're putting a vast amount into a business. You're probably not getting rich. You're probably never going to get rich. You're probably not even earning what you could earn, you know, doing it a full-time job in a bar in a lot of cases. So if everything that you loved about this, that everything that made you happy and everything that motivated you in this is gone and you have tried to find ways to reconnect with it and you can't, my personal view is there's, there's, 
it's now time to move on. And that's a dispassionate conversation to have with yourself in a place of relative calm, not involving alcohol and certainly not involving any of your board. So the third reason you might be thinking about quitting is other people want you to quit. Your family, maybe, your friends, your partner. This is a really tough one because whilst we all hope our family and our partner would be supportive, and mostly they are, sometimes a few years in, five years in, a decade in, they're trying to tell you hard truths about your prioritizations or um, the reality of the business situation that you're in that you might need to examine hard. Sometimes they may just simply not have understood or been up for what you've got yourself and, and then into. But sometimes they are caring about you a lot. They're seeing symptoms, they're seeing the consequences that this has had on you, you on the long term, and they mean well when they're saying quit. Now, should you? Well, that is utterly your call. You, you don't quit just because somebody else asks you to, in my view. Not until you've, again, objectively and dispassionately looked this through. In a place of calm, away from the business, away from the board, away from the family. <laughs> now, some people will choose family over work. Some don't. It's easy to say that work doesn't love you back, but... When you're a high-flying entrepreneur, it actually can feel like it does. You know, you, you create this company, you create this culture, you create this team. Everybody loves a winner. You're going to be getting PR. You're going to be being a poster child. You're going to be winning stuff. People are going to be admiring you um, because they don't see all the hard work you're putting into it. So it can seem like work loves you back and if that is your measure of success then maybe it is. Long hours um, and obsessive focus for years can make your work identity feel more real and more like you than your non-work identity. You may come to a point where you actually have no non-work identity and that probably does make it a lot easier to choose work over your family. The question is, is that what you want? Um, there isn't a right answer. But I would suggest you contemplate were it all to stop tomorrow, having lived through the experience of it all stopping overnight, you know, going from high-flying CEO to nothing overnight. You do need to ask yourself, who will you turn to then? And who do you want to be then? Who can you imagine being in that position? You know, when I ended up going home to my best friend from middle school, who welcomed me into her family with open arms, she had never told me to quit. But the moment I had made that decision for myself um, and went home to her family, she was very forthright in her opinion that I'd made completely the right decision and she'd been thinking it, that I should do it for a while. She and you know my family and my partner were in, in, incredibly supportive, and I'm glad of that. Actually, I'm glad I chose them uh, <laughs> over work, if that makes sense. Because you always get another shot at doing a company again. You really do. You know, you take all the lessons you learn, and you can get to do a company 
all over again, where is it's very hard to um, fill your life with people that you love. So another reason why you want to you might want to be thinking about quitting is that you're bored and or investors want you to quit. Or they want you to step back from your role and do something different. Or they've curtailed your role to the point that you are bored or you are so limited or you are so restricted that um, even if getting you to quit wasn't their direct outcome, it's certainly where your mind has got to. Uh, This really, really stinks. Handled badly, this is constructive dismissal, but um, it's actually very, very difficult for a founder, entrepreneur, CEO to pursue anything like this legally. But you're under pressure to quit. Step back from being CEO and explore your role as founder or head of ideas or CTO or head of sales or chief customer delight officer, whatever bullshit your board have come up with really and this is a challenging one because you probably when this is first broached with you are full of shock this is upsetting even if some of the previous conditions have applied and you have doubted yourself or you have disliked this or your friends and family want to quit when um you're suddenly under pressure to you may reevaluate whether you want to. Entrench, dig down and fight is is a, a really strong instinct. Noel Wasserman writes about this in The Founder Dilemma. And it's a real-life case study where the CEO of a startup, he's, he's made the company relatively successful. He's done great things. He's raised money. Um, they're at a point where they're going in the right direction and the board and the investors turn around and say, thank you very much. We've found this new CEO. Please step aside and be CTO. What should Lou, this founder, do? Should he quit? Should he insist on staying CEO? Should he go sit and be quiet in the corner and be CTO? In that particular case study, it turns out he goes, sits quietly in the corner, be CTO, how the board handles this, I think, is one of the the factors that you have to take into consideration on whether to decide to quit or to put up with it and play along. If the board handles it appallingly badly, you are treated very badly. They don't have a replacement lined up. I do believe your options are very limited. I sought out advice from an experienced founder when I was going through this, somebody who'd been in the same position, and she said to me, once you've lost them, you'll never get them back on side. Every little thing will be a battle. You will not be running this company anymore. You will not be running this as a team. It will only go downhill from here. I've lived through it. And I thought that was interesting advice. And it was one among several pieces of advice that made me decide when I was in that position that indeed, yes, I would quit. Do I regret it? Um, A little bit. Perhaps I could have fought. Perhaps I could have removed the board. Perhaps I could have done 
absolutely everything legally within my power to hang on by my fingernails. But I wasn't in any place for that fight. I wasn't in any place emotionally, physically, psychologically for that fight. And I don't think in the end I had enough time, money in the bank and capacity to have gotten into that type of battle. I sucked it up and quit and resigned, or as I prefer to say, got resigned, as a word to a board. Never, ever, ever tell your founder that you're going to replace them as CEO before you have got a plan of who you're going to replace them with and how you are going to do it, because this is a deeply upsetting, massively stressful thing for them as they go out to seek advice, both legal advice and personal advice, most people will be telling them that they need to quit. If you have got no plan in place, you are going to find yourself without a CEO and with a very disgruntled founder. In the end, it all comes down to the structure of the company, the shareholding, and how it is handled by that board as to whether you suck it up, take the CTO job, take the sales job, be an advisory founder, um, and stick around or, or whether you go. Either way, it isn't fun. If you're facing that decision, it's certainly worth reading a little bit about the founder's dilemma. And I actually got in touch afterwards because I was kind of living through it at the time. I got in touch with the guy in the case study and he gave me a shout out on Twitter, which possibly kind of made my life. Lots of reasons why you might quit. In some of those reasons, quitting is not the answer. In some of them, it's probably your only choice. If you are at the place where you have decided you are going to quit, you have made the decision, how do you do it? How do you get out of your own company? It's a really hard thing to do, but it happens. The role of a board is to plan for CEO succession, to plan for founder succession. Good boards and good bosses, if you're not the founder or the CEO, you're an employee, your boss will have been thinking about succession from day one. Co-founders quit, founders quit, CEOs quit, employees quit. It happens. It is a special kind of pressure when you are a solo founder when you have been adopted by any kind of ecosystem or community as a poster child. Never underestimate the pressure of being a poster child for anything because you start getting stalked around the internet and the world by the professionally successful version of yourself um, at the very moment you feel anything but it and you are trying to make decisions about very painful things um, and this, you know, this external version of yourself kind of seems to be laughing at you and reminding you that you're a horrible failure. But this happens. Take the time and the space in a place that is right for you to think about the decision. Spell it all out, but when you've made it, commit. You'll know in your heart, in your gut, you'll know when you've reached the right decision. And if you say it out loud to somebody else, you know, a best friend who's got nothing to do with your company, your spouse, whoever, when you say it out loud, you'll hear it become real and you'll know that it's the right decision. Once you've made it, commit to it. Because once you 
do quit, even if you quit well, and I'll talk about quitting well in a minute, you are going to get all sorts of pressure from all sides on you to change your mind. So you need to do your thinking and your what ifs and you're getting to your calm, confident place about why this is the right decision before. Don't sort of get goaded into quitting before you're psychologically ready. If at all possible, you know, have your pros and cons, your rebuts ready when you go into this. You know, practice with a friend or practice out loud with yourself if you need to. And while timing in an ideal world is everything, in reality, there will never be a perfect time. You're either going to be quitting too early or quitting too late. Nobody times it to go out perfectly on a high. It it just doesn't work like that. The narratives might get spun like that in retrospect, but in reality, there is never a perfect timing. So don't make waiting for the right time the excuse not to do it. Once you've committed to yourself, start this process. It's important to try to be professional and try to go for a win-win. Planned succession is in the best interest of everybody. If you are a CEO and you would like to quit within the next year or the next six months, this means talking to your chair and then talking to your board and trying to come up with this plan whereby you're going to hand over, build a succession plan, hopefully be involved in seeking your replacement, but, but, but not necessarily. If you're an employee, talk to the CEO, be firm, hand in your notice on your standard notice period, be direct, don't open the gates to try to be persuaded. And I personally really would never recommend fake quitting. Don't go into a meeting and quit in order to try to get a pay rise. In a, I think, A, I think that's extremely disrespectful. It's unlikely to work out well. If you've committed, then somebody trying to talk you out of it with more money, with this, with that, shouldn't make any difference. If it was the right decision, it was the right decision. So let's go back and assume actually rather than employee, you are founder, you're a CEO, you're the leader here because this is where it all gets messy. Planned succession is the dream. Planned succession is in everybody's interest, including the future success of the company. You're still likely to be a shareholder, so you're goal is for the future success of the company. However, that might be the dream. It's a really nice idea. It's the goal. But with human beings involved, it very well may not go that way. So you may have refusal to accept what you're saying. You may get denial. You may get theory. You may get emotional blackmail. You may get a heavy-handed response, which is to fire you there and then on the spot stick you on gardening leave, to bring you under lots of legal restrictions. You may get a refusal to let you participate in the succession plan that you're proposing, reputational attack. It can get messy really quickly. It can get stressful. I would suggest before you get into this, take professional advice if you can afford it. I had a lawyer look over my shareholder agreement, my contract, all of that kind of thing. And that really informed my decisions around my timings of doing this. 
if you've got a mentor, an informal coach who's been there but has got nothing to do with your business, talk to them. But try not to play the games. Try not to get pulled in and be ready to try to be the professional one even when it's not going that way around you. I've talked about obviously it not being handled well, but I've also seen examples where it has been handled extraordinarily well, where a CEO has said to their board and then subsequently to the investors, I want to transition out into a different role. I would like to do that within X time frame, And they have all worked that through together and gone out seeking a new CEO. I was, I was speaking with a founder just the other day who was saying that he is much happier in the inventor role. Um, he doesn't want to be CEO. Where will he go and find a CEO that will help him grow his startup? So there's ways that this can be handled really well, but it is a situation that does come up. Be ready for a very long process of rebuilding a new identity because you've been the company and now you're not going to be the company. And that is a really, really weird feeling. You will lose a big part of yourself. And part of this, how you quit, includes rebuilding yourself and your own identity as a separate thing. And you're bound to go on to found something else, but there will be a period of transition in between that. So that's a long monologue on quitting. Just know it happens. People ask me this stuff all the time. Don't be ashamed of having the thoughts. Don't be embarrassed of having the thoughts and don't feel trapped. There are precedents. There are ways to do this. There are circumstances in which quitting is the right thing. There are circumstances in which wanting to quit is merely a product of stress. You'll know that when you um, manage to make yourself a little bit of headspace. So you've been listening to Vicky Brock, Entrepreneur Agony Aunt. You can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, and now also on YouTube. And you'll find all the back episodes there. And keep those questions coming. I don't want any of you quitting on that front. 